Oh, hello there, Miss Kate. Hi, Gina. How are you, my dear? I'm good. Wait, we're starting off. We're starting off strong. <laughs> we're starting off strong. We're starting off strong. We have a a baby who does not want to be here, and a co-host who's hungover. You? Well, yeah. obviously, <laughs> it's not me. You're like <laughs> process of elimination here. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Oh my god, you're I. just having caffeine now? I'm just having caffeine now. Kate, I drank one martini. And I woke up this morning like I had been on a fucking bender. One? One. It was a large one. It was like in like a glass. But it was just vodka and olive juice. I'm disappointed in you. I'm disappointed in myself. This is not okay. Like, why? Why <laughs> did I go down so hard? I don't know. I'm asking you the same question. I'm oh, thinking the man. same thing. I'm like, you know what? I really, like, the older I get, the more the situation has to be, like, absolutely perfect for me to be able to drink and drink successfully. Like, gone are the days of, you know, oh, as long as I get to bed by, like, 3 a.m., I should be fine for work at 8. No. No. I literally, I was like, okay, I'm going to have a martini because I had a mountain of laundry to fold, and I had no interest in doing that for obvious reasons. Right, right. Like, what can I do to make it more enjoyable? Oh, alcohol. Perfect. So I made myself, uh, like, it it had to have been at least a double, I think. So let's say two martinis. But that doesn't justify, like, not being able to wake up in the morning. I'm like, oh, my God, what is wrong with me? Was it the olive juice? I don't know. Right? I don't know. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was the tears of Satan. I have no idea what was in that thing, but it... Just knocked you on your ass. Knocked me on my ass. You know what's so funny though is there are some times when I drink that it doesn't make sense how I feel the next day. Like there's some times where I'm like, oh, like I can rage. Yeah. Like a 22 year old. And I wake up feeling totally fine. Yes. And then there's some times where it's like I have two glasses of wine and I'm like, why am I waking? And, and, that's the only variable. There's no everything else is the same. Same amount of sleep or wake ups or whatever. Yes. I don't know what it is. I feel the same. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, there are times where all of the stars can align, and I have like this wonderful night of responsible alcoholism, and I wake up the next morning fresh as a daisy. Yeah. And then there's other times like what occurred last night. Where I do a very responsible amount of drinking, a very reasonable, moderate amount of drinking, and I wake up the next morning, like someone has snatched the soul from my body. (laughs) And it doesn't make sense. None of it makes sense, and it drives me insane. I miss the consistency of youth. Yeah, oof. I really do, because you knew. It's like, all right, listen. Let's go, let's black out, let's get fucked up. But I know that as long as I get to bed, by whatever time, I can make it tomorrow morning for, for shift. Like, I can, I can pull my shit together. It's so funny that me and my... No, um, not anymore. My old co-workers were talking about this yesterday. I've had, like, a pretty... 
don't know. I've just been like really emotional the past week. And why? I don't know. I don't know. I just like, I think, you know, Owen just turned three months. And I think, you know, in this state, we're like super grateful to be off for, you know, five or six. So I'll be off for about five. And, you know, like prior to that, this is when you would like go back to work. Yeah. I can't even imagine that right now. Like I can't even fathom going back in eight weeks. And anyways, this memory came up in my feed of us, you know, six years ago when none of us had kids. I don't think any of us were married. Maybe one of us was engaged, like some were engaged, but it was like pre, pre, definitely pre kids. Mm. And we just, we all worked night shift together. We had a blast. We would go out after night shifts or whatever. And I still looked tired, but it was just like a different kind of tired now looking back on it. But yeah, you were tired from the alcohol. You weren't tired from the three kids, the nagging husband, the eternal just intense amount of weight that is on your mind from just having to do all of the things. Like that's not what was making you tired. Right. You were tired because you had been on a bender for 24 hours. Yeah. And you hadn't slept. Yeah. Yeah. That that makes sense to me. I know. It just it's just wild. And I think I was going down this emotional path this past week about kind of what I want life to look like. I've talked so much about like finding joy. That's kind of like my my mantra for twenty twenty three. So I think I was just reliving those moments of yeah. like loving my job and loving the people I work with and And you feel tr- that, that that time has passed. Trying to recreate that. And do you think that it is recreatable or no? I would hope so. Well, in the job that you're at currently. Mm, That's hard. You know, I I think in some capacity in life, is that recreatable? It's hard to say. Or is it, you know, we we went down this huge path about it. Or is it just because that was a time in our lives when we were like young and those people got us, got me through. It was more the circumstance than the actual job. If I stayed in that job, would it be the same today? No. No, for sure not. But like those people got, we all got each other through weddings and breakups and getting back together and marriages and kids and infertility and babies and, you know, all of those things. So I think it was just like a really, I think you have to take those times in life and just really, I, I, I find that trying to recreate them actually takes away from them. Yeah. Because you're constantly opining for that situation again, and that situation is no longer attainable. Right. For a number of different reasons. So I think, and you know, I I kind of liken this to, oh, don't you miss your children being small? It's like, yeah, part of me is like they were so cute and they just, you know, they're adorable and, you know, innocent and, and all of the things. But also it's like I feel like I thoroughly enjoyed the very, very small ages of my kids. But I also know that that's not ever recreatable. So why am I constantly longing for that again? Yeah. And I think I just choose not to do that. It's like, this was wonderful. It is what it is. I'm going to let it be this wonderful moment and appreciate it for that. Yeah. It's kind of like how when parents and mothers or whatever in certain phases, like when you're pregnant, people are like, oh, just wait. You know, oh, just God, wait until you're really tired or, bullshit. or enjoy it, enjoy it now because it goes by too fast. Yeah. I think it, it, that's exactly what you're saying is that each, 
you know, like that moment in time, that job, those people I worked with was important for me in that moment in my life. Yeah. Just and but let it be that. Just yeah. let it be that. Don't try and recreate it. Try and create another situation now that you find joy. And that's perfect for, for now. Right. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. what's past. It was different. Life it was, was different. different Everything was so different. There's yeah. nothing you can do to bring any of that back. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think creating creating the life that you want to live is a constant, you know, evolution of a process. Um, I've recently also come to the conclusion I've had a bit of an epiphany that I need to do less things, right? Like I can't accomplish all goals at once. Mm-hmm. It's like I can't work. I can't be a student, be a mom, podcast work on my wellness. I can't do it all at once. They're just not. And I, I, I could try and squeeze it all into my life. And number one, that makes me personally miserable. Right. And also number two, I'm not actually being successful at any of these things. Cause you're just like not half ass, but you're, you're just, you're not giving, yeah, you're not giving everything a hundred percent. You can't do anything. You can't do everything. Mm. Put that on a fucking t-shirt, okay? Put that on a t-shirt. But it's so true. And I've had like this real come to Jesus moment of I need to pick some shit to focus on. And I've decided that that is number one, my family. Yeah. Number two, my health and wellness. And number three is school and this podcast. And that's it. Yeah. So I'm no longer writing currently. I... um. Me and the list have decided to to part ways, which is sad because uh, I do love writing. It is truly such a passion of mine. I, I, I just I really love it. But now it's just not the right time, and that is fine. I need to accept that. But I do need to work, like I said, on wellness. Be I need to refocus on my family. I think is the area of my life that's most lacking. Mm-hmm. There, you know. I think when you're a stay-at-home parent and, you know, you're in the throes of raising your kids, having kids, all of these things, we've talked a lot about, okay, well, what's next? Like, what's what, what, what am I going to be doing for the rest of my life? Obviously, these kids are not going to need me forever. So you're, at some point, you make this turn towards what, what about me? You know, we, right. get, we get selfish again, and that's not – I don't mean selfish in a negative way – but you then, as a result of that, start to look at your family as the thing that's holding you back. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a negative thing, right? It becomes like this negative association you start to make with your, you know, your kids, your husband, whatever it is, your life in general. And it starts to feel like cagey. Yes. It starts to feel like you're like you're in this this you're on this hamster wheel. You're on this hamster wheel and you can't get off and you can't escape even if you if you tried, right? Because there's no there's no running from your family. Right, right. Not that you're trying to Not that you're trying to, but what I'm saying is that I need to I need to readjust that that view of my family as something that's not that's holding me back. Because that's what it started to feel like for a little while. Is that like my kids and my life being a mom as my primary role was holding me back. You know, it's like I need to re throw myself into that and be 
more successful at that and more focused on that as like a job and something that I need to do well at. It's so funny that you mentioned that that because like I said, this past week I've been super emotional about, you know, all the things. And I, I think that what you're saying is when I was talking to people about this, like, Hey, I'm looking for X, Y, and Z. I'm trying to find this joy. I'm trying to find this like niche position in life. That's going to set me up, you know, for success in all aspects at home, at work and whatnot. And one of my girlfriends was like, she's currently a stay-at-home mom um, of three, and she wants to get back into the workforce. Yeah. And so she's like, I'm applying to full-time jobs. And I said, I think that that's a terrible idea. For sure. Because you have been, you know, she has worked since having children, but she, she had children very close in age like me. Like, her oldest was like three and a half when she had her last baby, but so she had three under three and a half. Yeah. That's what I had. You know, pretty, you know. And so she went back to work intermittently, more at a per diem status, but she found her her dream job. Amazing. But it didn't work for her family. Wrong time. And so she had to leave. Yep. And it's so the worst feeling it's ever. talking about what we're saying right now it's is trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Yeah. And just she's still looking for that position, knowing that it's not going to work for her family right now. And that's hard. And exactly like kind of reiterating what you're saying about then feeling guilty for feeling like, trapped, for feeling yeah. like your family's holding you back. Right. And life won't always be like this. Life won't always be like this, but it's like, okay, listen, there are, there are certain truths that we all have to level with, right? Like once you're, especially if you're a mother and I'm sorry, but it's different for women and it's different for men. If you're a mother, you're, you're a woman, you choose to have kids, you become a mother Come hell or high water, whatever the situation is, like, let's be real. Those kids are primarily your responsibility. Mm-hmm. I, fathers are wonderful. They help and they're, you know, involved in all of the things. But at the end of the day, you're the default parent. Yeah. So, like, if push comes to shove and someone's time needs to not be considered, it's your time. It's like, okay, well, I have to do this for work. Your husband, you know, you're trying to figure out all of the timing for your family and how to use resources and all of the things. You're you're the one who has to pick up all the slack for your kids. Yeah. And like I said, that's not going to happen forever, but it is a reality. I think for the vast majority of women, that's the reality. And I think trying to reframe it as not something that's negative yeah because it's an important job like you're you're raising the future (laughs) you're raising the future of of the world and that's not not important do you know what i mean is it what you want to be doing day in and day out listen i don't care what it is you can go to disneyland every single fucking day but at a certain point anything you do every day is gonna start to suck yeah. It could be the most wonderful, joyful thing ever. But if you do it day in and day out, you're going to start to hate it. I promise you. Yeah. So it's fine to feel that way. And that's to- that's valid and understandable. And believe you me, I if you feel that way, I, I completely get it. But it is something that needs to be done right now. And sometimes you just got to put on your big girl panties 
and just get it done. And you don't have to be miserable doing it. So my, I'm, I'm really trying to work on not, of letting go of the feeling that my family is holding me back from my professional pursuits, my personal pursuits. Mm -hmm. So family, wellness, school podcast. That's it. That's all I'm doing. That's all I'm doing. Nothing else. It's a lot. It's still a lot. It's, you know, it's fine. It's and like, it's, all, and it's, all, it's just going to feel different. It's just going to feel different. I actually, honestly, it's, um, it's, it's, it's very, it's manageable. It is manageable. It sounds like a lot, but it's, it's, it is manageable, especially at the ages my kids are. Two of my kids go to school borderline full time. The baby's wonderful. She's so easy. And then there's, you know, a lot of support in place for me to be able to accomplish all of these things. But I didn't need – I was doing, like, one to two things too many. Yeah. And that has made all the difference in the world. So if you are feeling like your life is just chaotic and insane and you're just treading water and not making any progress in any particular area, number one, adjust your expectations – Find the things in your life that you feel are holding you back or are negative for you. Number one, ask ask yourself if they are critical to your life. Like, is this something that you need to be doing? Mm-hmm. And number two, if it's not, consider letting it go. And then... It's like Marie Kondoing your life. You have to Marie Kondo your life. You have to be, especially when your kids are young, you have to be very, very, very conscious of how you're spending your time. So number one is adjust your expectations, figure out what it is that's negative, try and turn that around. And then number two, anything that you is not absolutely essential to your life or like a major, major passion of yours, get rid of it. Cut that shit out. Cut that shit out. Move on. It brought me into, um, I started uh, following this woman on some social media platforms. Her name's Christine Michael Carter. Um, and she's like really big on uh, women in the workforce and like an advocate for mothers in the workforce, women in the wor- workforce, mm-hmm. you know, uh, making the gap between men and women smaller. And obviously yeah. that has occurred in terms of financial payouts or whatever the right word is right now is escaping me but you know wage gap wage gap (laughs) financial Financial payouts payouts. (laughs) like it's a fucking personal injury settlement yeah even Owen's like mom that was not yeah that was not it they have you know the wage gap between men and women has become smaller but what hasn't is between mothers and so you know there's a with covid happening it puts so many women and caregivers out of the workforce, especially in like healthcare and teachers yeah. and the public sector, we push women out. Like we lost the empathy for women mm-hmm. or lost the empathy that women brought to these industries. Yep. We failed women. We failed parents and we're not giving women and mothers support. And, you know, women are disproportionately affected by this because, you know, when push comes to shove, like you're saying, many people probably have family as their number one priority in their yeah. life. So when push comes to shove and things aren't working, they're going to be the first ones to leave the workforce. Yep. And so if we don't do something to support them in that, then they're just going to leave. 
whether it's for greener pastures, whether it's to stay home, to pursue something, work from home or whatever it may be. And so I just found it really interesting as I'm talking about like finding the joy in my life and what that will look like and (coughs) kind of reevaluating that. And it's just really interesting to see how, how big of a gap there is and how ill-supported mothers are and how we're unconsciously biased to be uh and judged by men and women after you become a mother there's all this research and you know data out there that says how that's not the case that after people become mothers they're actually make better managers because we're not only managing people at work we're managing the home too right but instead we're judged by not just men by women too it's it's hard because i i mean i think i i is it is it lovely? No. Is it unfair? I don't know. Is it unfair? I know that if I were to go back to a like outside the home job, mm-hmm. and I was in whatever position of authority, if my child's school calls me and is like, "Hey, you need to come pick your kid up. X Y Z just happened." I'm leaving my job and going to get my kid. And I don't know that that's an unreasonable, it's like an unreasonable thing for employers to think that this is, this is as far as your job is concerned, this is, this is a negative. This is a check in the negative column because they're concerned like they're your employer. I, I, I don't know that any, any employer should necessarily be concerned about your personal family. I think the employer's job is to worry about the workplace. Right. So to make it the employer's responsibility to also manage a mother's time with her family or make allowances for that, that's fine. But maybe you should take a lesser role. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? I, don't, I, 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 I hear what you're saying and yeah. I know what the argument is and I totally get it. But also, as like, like I can see both sides of the argument. Do I think that there should be expanded family leave and employer-funded family leave? Yes. Do I think that you should be required to go back to work in three months after having a baby? No. I think that there needs to be a longer period of time right. for mothers to be able to bond with their kids, to get the, like, it should honestly be like six months. It really should be like six months. Um, but do I also understand that if an employer, if like there's a job and there's two people up for the job and one of them's a dude who has no kids or is not responsible for his kids. And the other one's a mom who has three kids under five. If I'm the person making that hire, I'm going to pick the man. And I will openly admit that because I, I'm sorry. Like I have shit to do. I have to worry about my job also. Like this is very this there's a lot of like layers going on here. It's not just yeah, right. women in the workplace are being you know discriminated against because they have kids. It's like it's not because they have kids. It's because of the responsibility at home that those kids represent. And the more responsibility you have at home, the less responsibility you're going to be able to take on in a job unless you have a ton of help. And if you do, that's great totally great then that's a different conversation right but we this is it goes back to the we can do anything we can't do everything yeah 
there has to be a certain amount of give and take. So if you're a mom who wants to be sufficiently present in their children's lives or, you know, active at the school or you want to take on some kind of role at home or in your kid's life, but you also want to have a job, that job, you have to figure out your priorities. It's not up to your employer to figure out your priorities. I wasn't saying necessarily. You know, I get, I get, I get what you're saying. And I think that there's a, there's a, there's a valid argument to be made there, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to play the role of devil's advocate and like where where the employer is coming from. And I don't necessarily think it's an invalid argument. No, no. That women in the workplace pose a specific problem to their employers because of the responsibility that is represented by the children that they create and them being the parent responsible for those kids. But here's the thing to, to, to counteract that is that like, what if it's, a single dad. Sure. Yeah, that, that same, you know same I mean? issue. I'm saying I I'm not going to hire him either. I don't know if a if a job would look at him. I would. Me personally, I absolutely he, would. And they, I know but like wouldn't they they wouldn't know that necessarily. So like a woman comes in and you know, she's a mother, it may come up it may come up in an interview. Sure. Yeah, and that's also none of your employer's business. Right, right. But it's like you know, same thing, like, oh, are you done having children? Are you planning to have more children? When is that? Like, Yes, that they is do thing. assume that if you're a woman of a certain age applying for a job, that kids are somehow part of the equation regardless. Right. They don't make the same assumption for a man. Yeah, that's what I was getting I at. I totally yeah. agree with you 100%. But I see what you're saying is that, yeah, like at the end of the day, if something happens with your children, either you're you gonna or your choice. partner has to has to leave someone has to make that choice someone has to be there for the kids that's just what it is yeah um but no i agree with you that and i was more saying like i think that there's there's ways in which like your the employers or companies can make it easier i i think that i think that there's a ton of um i guess social welfare that can be done or just like general workplace wellness yeah yeah workplace we'll call it yeah call it whatever you want that could be done accommodations could certainly be made more in the corporate world for people with families or people who have kids. Like I know that if I ever opened up some kind of like brick and mortar business and I had like a hundred employees, I would have some kind of daycare option like at my office. Right. Yeah. Because like just, and then just from a perspective of getting the best people to do the jobs at hand, some of the best people are the moms who are now being taken away from the workforce, right? Like they're genuinely the most qualified, the most skilled, whatever. I, as an employer, it's in my best interest to create an environment that I am, that, that works for them because they're going to contribute more value to my company if I make these accommodations. Right. And if I make them happy. If I make them happy, happy, if I give them, you know, the tools that they need to come to work every day, not right. be distracted by their kids, you know, mitigate some of these external factors for sure. That's a decision that, uh, but that comes with a cost as well. It comes just- with a cost. And that's a decision that every employer needs to make for themselves. Like, okay, is your business right? Like, so if you're Google, for example, and you need really highly skilled software programming computer engineers, and maybe there's like, 
you know, there's a good amount of men, obviously, that go into that field, but there's a good amount of women as well, especially, you know, where Google is headquartered. It's tech central. Right. If you're looking to hire more women because they can do these jobs really, really well, it's in Google's best interest to put a daycare in their facility. But if you're... I don't even know if you're I, I'm, I won't name a specific profession, but if you're a <laughs> less skilled worker, but you work for a company, if you're just doing let's not even say like less skilled, but let's say you're just doing general administration for whatever a company. The cost benefit analysis of a company putting in a daycare so that their front desk staff can get in you know it, it just the math doesn't always work out there for sure yes right? right so there has to we have to live in some level of reality of what we're asking and i think this idea that across the board there should be childcare and no woman should ever have to suffer you know the the consequences of being discriminated at, against at a job because she has kids, or you know she should be able to do whatever she wants, even though she has. It's like that's not reality. If you choose to have kids, someone needs to take care of those fucking kids, right? So there has to be a given. You need to figure that part of it out before you have the children, right? And then you need to be really honest with yourself when the time comes. Like it seems to have come for both of us where we're trying to find a balance between going back to work and also maintaining a lot of a, a lot of presence in our kids' lives in right. many different ways about what that looks like and what's reasonable to ask for. And this is where I'm talking about shifting expectations. Yeah. Because you can't you you cannot have both. You cannot have it, you cannot be 100% in your job. You cannot, and, and also 100% in your family. It just doesn't work like that. No. Um, do I think that it's important to find balance? Yes. But what is balance? Everyone needs to figure out what their own balance is. And everyone also needs to be really, really honest with themselves about what's going to make them happy. And if what's going to make you happy isn't realistic or attainable, then you need to, again, adjust your expectations. Yeah. Shift your sales. Shift your sales. That's all. You, that's that's really what it is. It's not lovely to say, but it's the fucking truth. Everyone's got to live in the real world, and it's it's very very hard. And I, I love that we're always trying to find these really Goldilocks ideal, perfect solutions to all of these social problems that we're having, and it's wonderful. And I think that we should continue to brainstorm and really think tank this shit. <laughs> because at some point, it's going to shift an entire culture where maybe we're getting more of the things that we want. But we always do need to kind of stick within the bounds of reality. Reality. Yeah. And I know for me, and I think also for you right now, the reality is we all have three fucking kids at home. We also want to do other shit. <clears throat> where, like, how much of me is here? How much of me is there? Is are the is that split going to make me happy all the time? Probably not. And I got to kind of be okay with the times that I'm not happy with. Yeah. Again, I do this a lot with Ryan acceptance. when I'm like, hey, I've had a really hard day. <clears throat> and 
I'm running on like 30% right now. Yeah. So like I need you to come home and pick up the other 70%. I think I've said this before in this podcast before, but that's what, you know, I find like having those conversations, which I openly have with Ryan. So I think the same goes that I need to openly have with myself. Like, where can I give myself 30% of the time, 70% of the time? Like, you know, some days at work, I'm only going to be able to give 30% because 70% of my, I try and, you know, leave work at work and home at home, but that's not always the case. Yeah, no, you're a human. You can't compartmentalize like that. If you could compartmentalize like that, you'd be a sociopath. Yeah. (laughs) Truly. Right. If there was no crossover, you could just lock shit in the box. Yeah. You'd be a sociopath. But yeah, so I think that like kind of, you know, balance, if you're thinking of it as like a hundred point scale, then, you know, you got to figure out where you're going to split your priorities those hundred, lie. where are those, where are you going to put those hundred points? Exactly. Eggs in a basket. Yeah. That's where the phrase comes from. Don't put from. them all in there. Don't put them all, all in one, one thing. You can't. You can't <laughs> do it. Sometimes you're going to wish you had more eggs in this basket. Sometimes you're going to wish you had more eggs in that basket. And that's how fucking life works. Yep. And it's a bitch and then you die. Yeah. That's that's life. Life's a bitch and then you die. Fair. Fair. Um, really went I, off a tangent there. Yeah, Sorry. I really did. I really kind of went down this. Well, we I, I brought you down. I brought you down the tangent. No, it was a good hole. tangent. I think that I think that it was a good conversation. <laughs> Any hooser. Um What are you going on this week, Kate? <laughs> Um, I don't know. Oh, I'm trying to think of what day of the week it is now. How many days left until this day? That's what I was doing in my head. Um, this weekend we're going out to dinner with our family. <coughs> Lovely. Um, in the city and we're having a babysitter come for the older kids. We're going to bring Owen with us. And so that will be good. And then hopefully we'll be able to like start utilizing. I'm like not there yet about having a babysitter take all three kids because. Yeah, it's a lot. Both of small. I've only done the solo three kids bedtime rigmarole. Oh, or really actually all three kids. What is your bedtime routine like in your house? Um, so walk us through it. I have started to. So our middle, Ava, she always is like our earliest riser. So I think, okay, she has a sleep deficit. Mm. So her going to bed past 7 o'clock, if she's always going to wake up the same time, and if she's tired, she needs to make it up somehow. So the only way she does that is to go to bed earlier. Sure. So I have found that um, a pre-7 p.m. bedtime for her is great, and a 7 p.m. bedtime for Aiden is great. So oh, 7 p.m. sounds so good. I can't – oh. So – I'm a, I mean, I am type A. I like a good schedule. So sometimes I do get stressed when I see the clock and it's like 7.06 and we're still in somebody's room. Like it causes me to be really. Yeah. Ragey. ragey. I get ragey too. Yeah. yeah. I don't like it. Like, and, nope. I do, and I don't like talk, feeling talk. like that. Yeah. But anyway, sorry. That's not what you asked. So um, I would say dinner time is typically on average around like 5.45, 6 o'clock. Okay. It goes until about, you know, 6.20. Okay. And we'll usually give some type of, like, timer, like, hey, we've got, like, two more minutes left, and then we're going to go upstairs. Sometimes they like to, like, you know, like, run around the kitchen after dinner. So we like to give a the timer. Zoomies. The zoomies. Go upstairs. Bath time. Um, Aiden recently has, like, started to take a shower. So 
you know, Ava goes to bed first. So then we will take Ava out. We put her to bed. I preferred her to be in bed by like 645, 650. Mm-hmm. And then Aiden by seven o'clock. And bedtime routine after the bath is pajamas. Well, bath, brush teeth, pajamas, brush hair, read three books. Those three books can be done together or separately. Sometimes it's like if we read two books together, then everyone gets a single book by themselves, like one-on-one time. Ava goes to bed. We go into Aiden's room. And then usually he then chooses whether he wants to play for two minutes or read another book. And then it's just like a quick rub of the back. Sound machine lights off. Bye. So how all like so how long does it take you to put each kid down? Like put them in their bed and leave? No, like from the time you get out of the bathtub and go into their room and then lights out. Like what's the, like once you're in their their bedroom, like what's the I would say Ava is probably more of like the 10 minute. Aiden's probably closer to 15 just because he's at that age where he's like uh, I need you to rub my back and then I need you to lay with me and then now I need you to leave and I need to make sure all these toys are, you know what I mean? Like the procrastination yeah. of a toddler. But I would say like in her room is probably 10 minutes. His room is probably closer to 15. Got it. There's no real routine yet for the baby because he yeah. just kind of like does what he does. Um, I mean, he is sleeping through the night now, but his Maybe. bedtime is later. So he's going to bed closer to nine o'clock, but is sleeping until like five to seven. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's amazing. So I'm not, I mean, you all that. I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah, no, my God. But yeah, we have a pretty like set routine. And my mom was like, well, of course, if you, <laughs> the, if you have a babysitter come, like they could just not do bath time. And I said, you really think my kids would let the babysitter not do bath time? And she said, absolutely not. I really? Said, Your kids are like that stuck on it. That's so funny. My children are creatures of habit. Really? And everything is like, I mean, I shower a lot. Yeah. There are times that my children get two baths a day. Oh, my God. If we go somewhere in the morning that I think is like, grime, tell anybody. You're just going to keep doing it. <laughs> I remember there's a water ban in our town. Kate's going to be like, not at this house. Yeah. Not at this house. We take six showers a day here. <laughs> like, if we're, like, at, like, the trampoline park or sometimes if we go to, like, a children's museum, I may, like, wipe, like, have my kids, like, take a bath when we get home. At uh, Okay. That's, understandable that's more it or we like change clothes or something like that yeah yeah i always change the clothes Got but it. yeah we have a pretty like strict bedtime routine yeah and i think like routine is good for kids and so yeah for sure they like know what to expect and if they, they start to veer off we're like okay well you guys want to run around then you only get one book yeah, yeah, yeah right you gotta yeah but yeah. ava's pretty easy it just you know what i mean and Aiden's done great in his big bed, but he just, like, still likes, oh, I got to, like, line up my 12 cars. And they have to all be, like, facing due west and <laughs> facing facing the North Star. Yeah. <clears throat> That's so funny. What about you? What do you have going on this week? What's your bedtime routine like? <laughs> um, what do I have going on this week? Nothing. Next week, I'm going to Alabama. Yes, yes. I can't believe February's next week. I it's, like, dude, literally mind-boggling to me. I literally cannot believe it. And the lack of snow that we've gotten. Yeah. Again, not complaining, but damn. Uh, my bed routine is extremely simple. I don't bathe my children every night. It's every other night. Um... But nights where baths are not involved, it's, okay, everyone, bedtime, walk upstairs, good night, love you, turn on the fan, 
turn on the nightlight, leave, repeat until all the children are in their rooms. Perfect. Bedtime total takes me 10 minutes. That's amazing. For all three kids. Yeah, I, I, I was never one to be like, okay, we have to do this and we have to do this. And like there's a multi-step process. I'm like, you go in your room and I will shut the door. That's the bedtime routine. I love you. <laughs> Good night. And that's it. We started a routine when like Aiden was like seven or eight months. It's fun. Like with or sorry, first no, like one. Maybe, maybe like maybe it was actually younger. It was probably close to like four months because they were like babies start to learn routines. And so we like started this like book before bed. Yeah. And then it just it grew from there. It grew to like three books, which is fine. Like the books aren't long. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, Misha, not- like we'll read books to or like we'll all read during the day, but I don't do it like right before bedtime. Like we can still in general, we can go upstairs at 620, 625 and yeah. Ava between a bath and all of those things and bedtime is still in bed by 645. Yeah. yeah, yeah so right, like right. that's still. No, no, no. That's, oh, good, no. I've like. But, Heard people say, oh, our, our bedtime routine is we go for a walk around the block and then we do a lavender essential oil massage and then we um, basket weave for approximately two hours and then <laughs> we read an encyclopedia and then we um, map the stars in the sky and then uh, we put her in bed and we lay with her and then she we wake up three hours later and then I fall asleep <laughs> and I'm like, you're insane. You're you're actually insane. Like people who do that, sorry, no offense if you're one of those people who do it, but I'm like, you're out of your mind. Like you're creating a monster. Like, oh, she's like only little. I'm like, but she's not gonna be little forever. I just feel like, you know, we used to do more like a seven, seven thirty bedtime mm-hmm. and like the six forty five to seven fifteen, I'll give myself that buffer there. Yeah. That thirty minute window seems to work much better for all of us. Yeah. I feel like everyone is sleeping better. It helps with like if they wake up early. And then to be honest, then we're we typically don't eat with the children. We sometimes do. Oh, I always wait. I never But eat like with my kids. if you're if you're waiting, sometimes you're not eating till eight thirty at night. Oh yeah. That's, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just so it kind of helps that like, hey, some nights like kids are in bed, we're showered, we're in pajamas and we're eating dinner and it's 730. Like, that's, no, it's lovely. That's lovely. That's lovely. And our children can still nap until four o'clock and still go to bed at yeah, that time. Mine so, too. Mine too. Mine are the same way. Um, yeah, I would love to someday make that shift. The problem is. Well, I think, too, I've seen friends who had that 7 o'clock bedtime as well, and then their kids start school, and then there's after-school activities. And so then everybody's bedtime, including the baby who's not in school, like that bedtime starts to shift. Yeah. Just because you're not getting home until 6 o'clock. And so getting dinner and all those things in is hard. Right, right, right. So I do do sometimes get that shift, but – for now, I'm going to revel in my 7 o'clock. Exactly. you got to take the experience as yeah. it is, and then someday it will change, and you look back on this time fondly. Yeah. All right, y'all. Uh, that's it for us for this week. 